From the moment I walked in the door at the Malaysian restaurant where I had been working for the past year, I knew that something was wrong. The blue cloth tables with their bone china vases looked fun, as did the plants that were all along the walls and the windows. And the smell of cumin and turmeric and spicy peppers and peanut sauce, that was just as incredible as ever. But something was off. The chef and the co-owner of the restaurant was a Chinese Malay woman named Mrs. Wong. She was born in the year of the dragon, <laughs> and so we called her the dragon lady. Her husband, Mr. Wong, was born in the year of the rabbit. And the two of them had come over from Malaysia in the early 70s after the Brunei Revolution, where hundreds of ethnic Chinese, some of them the Wong's friends, had been slaughtered in the streets. And so they came to Tucson with their three children in search of a better life. Well, my path to Tucson had been a little more haphazard. I had just finished a stint in the Peace Corps, and I knew what I wanted. I wanted a cabin in the woods, and I wanted that one special person to share it with, and time to do my writing and bake bread and commune with nature. But I didn't really know how to get there. And so Tucson, because it was hot and cheap, seemed like a good place to figure things out. Mr. Wong had been an importer of fine wines in Malaysia. And Mrs. Wong had had a beautiful house with servants, and she had done lavish entertainment. But when they came to America, they weren't even close to being first-class citizens. Mr. Wong's first job was selling shoes at J.C. Penney's. And Mrs. Wong had to roll egg rolls at Panda Express. <laughs> but over the years, they and their three children, they worked hard, they saved money, and they opened a little restaurant. And then finally, they opened the bigger restaurant that was Selamat Makan, which was sort of a gym in Tucson's ethnic food scene. By the time I came to Salamakan, the children were all gone. They'd gone off to grad school and fabulous careers. And it was just Mr. and Mrs. Wong in their mid-60s, working these 10 to 12-hour days. They were exhausted. They missed their kids. They had no idea how they were ever going to save up enough money to retire. And things were kind of challenging for me in a different way in Tucson, too. I didn't really know anyone there. I didn't have any friends. I was lonely. I was in that kind of limbo that sometimes you have to go through to get something good that it doesn't feel really comfortable while you're doing it. And slowly, the three of us and this dishwasher named <laughs> Colin, this sweet guy, we became together and sort of began to help each other out. And as the weeks went on, I began to realize that even though I couldn't bring the Wong's children back, and I couldn't really help with their retirement, I could take care of the front room of the restaurant. I could put flowers on the table and make sure the customers were happy. And in the afternoons, I could drive Mrs. Wong around on her errands, to the eye doctor, to the produce stand. 
And even though the Longs couldn't make me some new friends, they couldn't help me find that one true person. They could invite me over for black rice pudding, and Mr. Wong could fix the headlight in my car, and Mrs. Wong could take me to the bakery and buy me cookies like my grandma used to do. <laughs> and so the three, the four of us, we became a kind of family in a sort of sweet, simple way. And life was pretty good until that day when something was off. So it turned out Salomon Makan had gotten its first and only bad review. Now I should step back and say that, that this restaurant was one of those places where chefs on their night off come to eat. Mrs. Wong made everything from scratch from these recipes that had been handed down from her mother and her grandmother. It was really amazing. But this reviewer, Penelope Moss, she came from Phoenix, which is sort of Tucson's big, kind of bullish sister. <laughs> she came down and she basically did a hatchet job on Salomon Makan. She said that her egg rolls were soggy. And she said that the chicken curry was salty. And those beautiful plants, they were hippie-ish. So Mr. Wong and Colin and I, we were mortified. We were, we just wanted to go back in the kitchen. We didn't want to see anyone, and we sure hoped that no one in Tucson was reading the Phoenix paper that day. But Mrs. Wong was an artist. She was a dragon lady, <laughs> and she was not going to take this line down. So she took some scissors and she cut that review out of the paper and she put it by the register. And then every night, after everyone had been fed, she would turn off the burners in the cook pit that she called bloody hell. <laughs> and she would take off her chef's hat and she would come out into the dining room in her chef's coat that was all splattered with sauces and oil. And she would take that review and she would go from table to table to the people who were finishing their dinner. And she would read the worst parts of the review. <laughs> what do you think? Were your egg rolls soggy tonight? <laughs> Was your beef saute hard to chew? <laughs> what do you think? Was your peanut sauce greasy? Well, the people who knew, who'd come to the restaurant for a long time and who loved Mrs. Wong would hasten to say, no, 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 it was wonderful as always, as always. And the people who didn't know her would say the same thing because I think they were a little afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't really help. And night after night, she just seemed to be getting angrier and angrier and more and more bitter. And things began to happen in the kitchen. Tempers flared, and things got dropped on the floor, and there were things were burnt. And none of us really knew what to do because none of us, not even Mr. Wong, were brave enough to stand up to Mrs. Wong. And I really don't know what would have happened if one of our oldest and most loyal customers, Jim, had a call right then. So Jim's wife had a sister. And she had gone to Hollywood a few years before to be the nanny to a famous star. And then she had married that star. 
And so we had been hearing for, for months that she was going to come to Tucson and they were going to come to the restaurant and visit us. And so Jim was calling that night to ask if we could have a private table for them after the restaurant closed so that he could bring his sister-in-law and Robin Williams to our restaurant. <laughs> we were so excited. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Wong didn't really know who Robin Williams was, and, and frankly, I think a lot of his routines would have probably offended them. But Colin and I knew, and we, we couldn't wait. And the Wongs were excited anyways. There was a movie star coming to the restaurant. And Colin and I knew that it was going to be fabulous. It was going to be so funny, and we had no idea what was going to happen. Well, so it was a slow night at the restaurant. It was a weekday, and by the time Jim's knock came at the back door, the restaurant was empty. So I brought Robin Williams and Jim and everyone in. He was dressed very, very um, conservatively. He was very quiet, and they sat down. They took their orders. Very disappointingly, he ordered the sweet and sour chicken, which was the one unadventurous meal on the whole menu. And I served them their meals, and then the four of us stood behind the bamboo screen and watched them. <laughs> and nothing happened. Nothing at all. They just had a normal dinner. They were just eating and talking and passing things and kind of laughing in this normal, quiet way. I cleared the dishes. I brought out dessert. We had this amazing banana gulag, which was bananas sautéed in butter and sugar and poured over coconut ice cream. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was going around filling the coffee and decaf, I saw out of the corner of my eye Mrs. Wong <laughs> turning off the burners. Oh dear. Taking off her chef's hat. Coming around the corner with the review in hand, <laughs> heading straight for Robin Williams. Jeez. Uh -huh. <laughs> I began to back slowly into the Malaysian jungle. <laughs> and Mrs. Wong goes right up to Robin Williams and she pushes the review right into his face. And she says, You are a famous man. You have eaten everywhere. I want you to read this and tell me if it is true. Robin Williams took it and he read it. He read it from beginning to end, like no one else had done. And then he said to her, no, it isn't true. And he said to her, I've had some bad reviews, and I know how you feel. And then he said, I know what to do to make it better. So I was sent to the kitchen to get a big pile of newspaper and one of our old battle-scarred rocks. And we called Colin from the kitchen to bring the fire extinguisher. <laughs> Mr. Wong cleared off the table and pushed the chairs back, and we all stood around and we crumpled the newspaper and we threw it into the rock. And then Robin Williams took Mr. Wong's lighter and he lit the paper. But he had the fire, Colin had the fire extinguisher. And as the flames began to rise higher, Robin Williams took that review and he ripped it into long strips. And then he threw it one by one into the flame. 
And with each one, he yelled, Die, Penelope Moss, die! <laughs>